You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church in Lumberton, North Carolina. You can join us each Sunday morning at 1045 Eastern Standard Time at hydepark.online.church. Starting at verse 9 this morning. Revelation 21, verse 9. It says this. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God. Having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal, at a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for allowing us to be here today. Got to be able to be in your word. God, as we uh, dissect here your vision of the revelation to John, I do pray that we have the hope and glory that you're promising, this great city of Jerusalem, and that we can have an understanding of what's to come and desire to be there. Please speak to, please speak to everybody in this room. Help our hearts and ears to be open to your truth. Praise in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Uh, well, good morning. Well, as you can see, I am not Pastor Jeff. I am Pastor Paul. I'm the youth pastor here. So for those of you who don't know me, um, I am Pastor uh, Polly G, uh, as some of my youth, youth call me as well. So you can, uh, they made me a little sign. So thank you all for that. Um, but uh, yes, if you have any 6th grade through 12th grade, that is my, that's my game. That's where I'm at. So send them down to other in the hallway or other in the building. That's where I hang out because I refuse to grow up, and I'm there with them, and I'm sharing the ministry with them. So, um, yes, we're in the book of Revelation 21 is where we're going to be at. Now, before we uh, jump into the entirety of what we're covering, because we're going to cover from 21, verse 9, into chapter 22, we're going to talk about the, the, the glory of the new Jerusalem. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about this thing, because my mind and how my mind works Whenever I hear scripture, whenever I hear things, and I, I want to be able to teach something, my mind goes to movies, okay? Because that's what I was raised on. That's what I enjoy, okay? And that's, I, I love to see things that are used by the Holy Spirit, because there again, whenever you see things coming out of people writing or movies or things, you think, oh man, they're, they're just, they're sometimes corrupted, but there again, sometimes they are. But a lot of times, the Holy Spirit allows the gospel message to be made known, okay? The gospel wants to be made known. And one of the great book series, if you haven't read it yet, um, is The Lord of the Rings. Anybody ever read Lord of the Rings in here? Okay, uh, so, so, some, of you, some of you are, are read. Okay, so, so um, they're gonna, it, it's an old series, but I recommend you reading it. But for those in the room like, I don't have time to read, uh, you know, it's massive books, shame on you, but um, you should read. Um, but if not, um, they made them into a movie series, okay? And this is one of the best uh, book adaptation movie series ever, okay? They made it into three movies because they're against the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now the third one, I'm going to show a little scene to you from the third one, okay? And the third one is called The Return of the King. 
Now, if that doesn't kind of allude to some kind of biblical kind of message underlying, I don't know what does, okay, but it's called the return of the king. Now, in, in this scene, okay, where we're at in the movie, the race of men is dwindling because the last battles are happening on this place called Middle Earth. And, and there's this big, this big battle between good and evil that's just been building and building, getting more intense and more intense. And the race of men have been pushed back to their last fortress, okay, the last kingdom of Gondor. They've been, they've been pushed back there. And they're behind these giant walls because it's kind of built into a mountain. So it's these giant walls that are kind of layered, okay, and they have different levels. Okay? And the enemy, Sauron, okay, the, the, the great enemy, he has raised an army. Okay? And the, the size and the magnitude of this army that the enemy has built has been built for one thing, the extermination of the race of men, just wiping them out. That's the whole point. That's how massive this army is of the enemy. So the enemy has, they, they, they've broken through the first kind of barriers of Gondor here, and they, they push the men further and further into the city. And then so they're on like the second or third level, and the, the, the guys, the, the men have barricaded the door, and they're, they're, they're holding it steady, and the enemy is just going to be pounding and pounding at the door. But we're going to take a moment here and see two of the characters that are here in this battle, okay? Two of the characters that are in this, this battle right here, and we're going to see what kind of conversation they have during this dark time. So there you see two of the, two of the main characters there. And, and, and the enemy there is, is beating his door, and you see dragons. It is fantasy, y'all, okay? So I know you're like, fantasy, yeah. But hey, it's fantastic, okay? So you see the enemy pounding on the door. And you see the men cower back every time the, the hit comes. And then you see the, one of the characters, uh, his name is Pippin. He's sitting there. You can see just the devastation on his face. And his words are, I never thought it would end this way. And like the great, the great white wizard Gandalf lays some wisdom on him. He says, end? This, 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 this is not the end. Right? Death is just a journey that we all have to go through, okay? Because we're, we're, all, we're all mortal. We're all going to face this, this thing called death. But it's not the end. 
For those that are uh, in, 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 their, in their world, those that fight for the righteous, those that, those that fight for the good, those that, those that fight for the, for the people, and those that fight for the good of destroying evil, those who stand for righteousness, the veil is going to roll away, and then they're going to see it. He says, you know, the, the, the crystal shores and the far green country and then the, the rushing of a swift sunrise. And you see on his face, like you see just him just being uplifted, just saying it. And then you see Pippin just hit himself just, just hearing these words, like, be, like, whoa, okay. He's like, well, that doesn't sound so bad. And I was like, no, no, it doesn't. And then they're, they're both like, let's go. Let's do this. Let's, let's face the enemy. Let's fight. Let's, let, let's keep going, and let's try and persevere as best we can against the enemy. And, and you know, we need to remember that. that, that this is how we should be. Right, we need to remember that, that what we're talking about today, what we're going to look at, uh, how we left that last week, I best just set up how, what this new Jerusalem is going to look like. Whenever we have pressures, anxieties, whenever we have problems, whenever we have, we have sicknesses, whenever we have troubles in our lives, and the enemy is just trying to put it upon you and upon you and just trying to build it up, we know that there's, there's a hope that we can look for. There, there's a hope and a glorious place to look forward to when we endure through this race we call life. There's a place that we can look forward to and we say, that sounds pretty good. I can deal with whatever this is because I have that to look forward to. So let's, let's jump back into Revelation here and, and look at the revelation that was given to John. And, and first we're going to see, we're going to look at three different areas. The first area we're going to look at is what this new Jerusalem looks like. Okay? We're gonna, the best that he can, he's, he's going to ride down in, in human terms so we can try and get an understanding. So look here at verse 9. It says there again, uh, Then came one of the seven angels, who had a seven bowls full of seven plague, the last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit of a great high mountain, and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, the twelve gates, twelve angels. And on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates, and the wall of the city had twelve foundations. On them were the twelve names of the, tribe, of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, twelve thousand stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth cryopraise, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth emeth, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like the transparent glass. Now, this, 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 this is a beautiful place, amazing place, that, that, that is being described to John. Now, John is doing the best he can to put it down to where we can conceive what he's talking about. But I'm just going to let you all know right here, this is just a taste of what it's going to look like. Because this is just on our basic human understanding. When we get there, it's going to be even more magnificent and glory, glorious than we can even imagine. 
So there, this is the fourth time that John is being carried off by an angel to have something revealed to him. Okay, the fourth time. Now this is different, uh, very contrast to the last time he was carried off. Okay, because the last time he was carried off by an angel, he was taken down into a valley, okay? And in that valley, he was shown the prostitute, right? The city of Babylon, right? The, the, just the dissolution, just the depravity, everything, and that lowly city of Babylon. But here, he's taken up to the high mountain, up top to where you can see the bride of Christ coming down from heaven, right? The, this, this new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, right? So complete contrast. And his description there, again, is accurate, but it's also inadequate because it's limited by our human language. But this is the most beautiful, this most extraordinary, and most amazing, indescribable place. And it falls short of what it will be. But, hey, let, let's, let's kind of, like, talk a little bit about what it says. It's radiant like a jewel, crystal clear, right? Highlighting that it's the perfect God who made it, right? God who is perfect has no, has no impurity, right? He is holiness. He is pure. His city is going to reflect that, right? The great high walls giving us the, the feeling of being kept safe and secure, right? Our God is keeping us safe and secure in his presence, the 12 gates and the 12 angels, there are 12 gates, and there's, there's three at each, you know, north, south, east, west, because guess what? He wants all people from around the world to be able to have access to his kingdom, right? He wants believers from all over the world to be able to come into this one great city. And the 12 angels, I mean, it's, it's kind of like ceremonial, okay? Like, they're, they're there, they're holding guard, okay? They're like those, the, the British guards outside the... Uh, you know, that place in Britain, whatever it is. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it's those people that stand there, you're trying to make them laugh, right? That, it's just ceremonial, because there's not going to be an attack against this heaven, this new Jerusalem. There's no more wickedness, no more evil, but they're standing, standing guard because guess what? It's God showing us that we are in his hands forever. And then it keeps going on, right? And it keeps going on and talks about the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, how God is faithful in his covenantal promises to Abraham and his descendants. And in the 12 foundations, Paul says in Ephesians 2.20, that the church is built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. So see, you see all that, all that, all that there? It's at my, at my back pocket. Just like what's happening there. You see, you see all that happening. But then you have the, this angel with the measuring rod, right? He says it's 12,000 stadia. And you're like, okay, what, what's a stadia? Well, hey, it's roughly, um, this 12,000 is about 1,380 miles. This is a massive place, a massive place. And it says that its width and length and height are all the same. So this is tremendously big, and you know why? Because it's big enough it can hold all the millions, if not possibly billions of followers of Jesus that range from creation to the end times we're talking about here in Revelation. Every single follower of Christ, every single person who has died and, and been counted as righteous by God from the Old Testament is going to be here in this place. Chuck, Swind Chuck Swindoll said this, the city will be the dwelling place of the united people of, of God, Old and New Testament, whose salvation rests on the completed work of Jesus Christ. It's going to be big enough to hold all of us. But still not too big to where we feel isolated, alone. We're all going to feel that we are there under the same Father, under the same Savior, under the same Lord. Uh, then it goes into every kind of jewel known to man. And, and, and we, we, if I could spend hours talking about what each and every jewel represents, 
because I'm sure someone has done that for some reason. Um, but I'm not going to do that, okay? I, I, I'm probably not going to read the list off because I probably got some of the names wrong and how I pronounced it. Um, but hey, I said it confidently, so I, I kind of, you know, fooled y'all. But, um, but you have all these jewels, and uh, it's things that, things that we hold in high value, and we know they're beautiful. We know that they are um, just very rare. But it is going to line heaven. They're going to be everywhere. Just the most extravagant thing that we can picture is going to be there. And the pearls in the gate and streets of pure gold. And then we, we kind of take for granted the whole idea of the streets of gold, right? Because you, know, you hear the old gospel songs, walking on the streets of gold through heaven. Hey, great. But no, there, there's, there's still importance of that one, right? Like how the priests of the Old Testament, First Kings, it says that the, the, the floor of the temple are lined with gold so the servants of God can walk upon gold as they go to worship God. That's what we're going to do. Just like them who minister in the temple, the servants of God will walk upon gold in his presence. Okay. So that, 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 that was a, that's a quick rundown of, of those verses and what it looks like. That's all I'm going to talk about that, okay? Because the next two things were the most important of all. Okay? So we saw what it looks like. And, and, and there again, that's just the basic understanding. The, the next big thing is where's, where's the temple? Where's the temple located in New Jerusalem? Because you would think that, you know, we, we, we have church now, um, but in the Old Testament, he always had a place. What was that, a, a special place that was designated, this is where you come to worship God. So where's this new temple in Jerusalem? Well, let's find out. Verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city. First temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the, is the Lamb of God. But its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who, who does the, what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So there, there's no temple. There's no building, right? Because what the temple is, it, it's, it actually is the Lord God Almighty. It is the Lamb. It is Jesus Christ. It is them there. Right? The, the tabernacle in the Old Testament and then what eventually become the temple in the Old Testament, it was the dwelling place for the presence of God uh, with his chosen people, Israelites, that, that when they gathered there, that's where his presence would be, would be in the temple. And to be even kind of more defined, God, they created that, you know, the, whole, the whole curtain, right? The thick curtain that went from the ceiling to the roof, right? That separated the presence of God deep within the temple from the rest of the priests and the rest of the followers. So there was a specific place his presence was. But then the, the curtain was torn, right? The curtain was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died for the sins of all mankind and we were allowed to be in the presence of the Lord and our, and our bodies actually are the temples of the Lord when we place our faith in him because we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. It resides it within us when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't need a building to praise him. We don't, need, we don't need a building to praise God, our Savior Jesus, or even the helper of the Holy Spirit. We'll be in their presence and they'll be around us so we'll be in continuing worship and praise. And God will, God will be the source of light. There'll be no more night, no more darkness. Now, I, I mean, I'm 34 years old, okay? I'm not saying I'm afraid of the dark, okay? But you walk outside of your house that night, 
You have no idea what's out there waiting for you, okay? You have no idea. It could be, it could be one of those little raccoons and things in the woods, or it could be someone in the woods watching you, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying. This, this is a broken world here, y'all, okay? The darkness hides a lot of wickedness. But here, there'll be no more darkness at all. The true light right, the, that, that gave creation the sun was, was kept behind the, the thick temple curtain for centuries will now be the ultimate source of light for all of his followers. It will never go out, right? His glory, which is shown as light throughout much of the Bible, will always be shining and will never go out. And the Lamb Jesus will be the lamp, the source, the light of the glory of God, right? He'll be, he'll be what, he'll be like, uh, God's power is powering it. It's like coming through the cord, coming through Jesus, and Jesus is like, woof, right? He's the lamp. The sun will be our, our the sun will be the new sun, the new moon combined, I mean, kind of fulfilling of, of what Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Uh, and, and, and it's a light to our path and it's a it's light for us because there again, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when you have the word of Jesus Christ right here, it is going to be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path in the darkness around us. But when, when we get here, when we're here, we don't need a light for our path. No, we have made it to the ultimate destination. Okay, so the light's like, hey, you made it. Yeah, I showed you the path all the way here. Now, here's the source. Here's where it's from. Welcome. Enjoy. No sunscreen needed. Yeah, you ain't gonna get burned. Okay, right here. This is the ultimate light of God never going out. And then it says, uh, it says, uh, let's see, verse 20, 24, by, by its light, all the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. It's kind of like, well, I don't fully understand like the kingdoms and, and, and kings of the earth. Why they mention them? Well, there again, you know, there are things in heaven that I don't fully understand. I'm not going to fully grasp. But hey, the important thing here is that all the different nations and the kings that ruled them will be brought together under the glorious light of Jesus Christ. Right? The, they, these nations and governments present in eternity will be at perfect peace. It's hard for us to grasp and understand what's going on here because we're stuck in this, this world right here and there's nothing but division and spites and one side's right, one side's wrong. Well, no, you're, you're right, you're wrong. No, man, there, there's no peace. There's no saying, hey, can we all get along? No. Here, they're at perfect peace with one another because they all the same Father, they worship the same Lord, and they are all indwelt by the same Spirit. And then nothing, verse 27, nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There'll be no more sin, no more sickness, no more hate, no more violence, no more envy, no more uh, you know, distorting thoughts or being led by corrupt hearts. Right? Nothing detestable will be done in all, that, all this new Jerusalem. Nothing detestable. And I, I went back and I, I did some research here throughout the Old Testament and throughout the rest of the Bible, and I was like, hey, where is this term detestable used? And, and what is counted as detestable? There's a long list, okay, of what's detestable and things that are hit quite often. But here, here, here's, here's, here's just a few things that are detestable and will not be in the new Jerusalem, okay? Uh, you, let's see here. Leviticus uh, 20, verse 13, homosexuality. Deuteronomy 7, 25, building and worshiping idols. Uh, Deuteronomy 12, child sacrifices. Deuteronomy 17, tainted flawed sacrifices. Deuteronomy 22, cross-dressing. How about 2 Samuel 12, David killing Uriah and taking Bathsheba as his wife. 
First Kings, prostitution, long list. And a lot of these things are repeated over and over again throughout it. Then, uh, it kind of culminates here in Proverbs 6. This is Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. It says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Man, so so you, 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 you have all these things, right? You have, you have these things that it says the Lord hates, and seven that are an abomination to him. Like, well, well, Pastor Paul, that, that's, that's kind of harsh. God, there, there's no hate. God, God wouldn't say that. Yes, my, my friends, God is a holy God, and only holiness can be in his presence. So these things that are rebellion against him cannot be done in his presence. But, uh, uh, Pastor Paul, these, these things are in the Old Testament. These things in the, in, the, in the old law, right? We're under the new covenant of Jesus Christ, right? These, these things don't apply. God, God wouldn't judge for these. Okay, look, y'all, if it's in the Old Testament, and it's repeated throughout the rest of the scripture and into the New Testament, and it's highlighted even more a lot of times in the New Testament, I would think that there again, what's in the Old Testament is still good for learning and for gleaning from, and it's important for us to understand that again, the full context of what's happening, but then when it's hit hard and driven hard in the New Testament, man, I, I would think it's still detestable to God. You know, we, we have the hope of Jesus Christ. There are still things that are detestable to God in his sight. So only those made pure by the cleansing blood of the Lamb will be allowed in. God is a holy God, and only the holy live with him forever. And there again, it brings us back here to the, the Lamb's book of life. Only those whose name is to be found in that book are brought into his glorious place. Right? Only those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and have seen that their sins were washed clean by his blood, that his blood was the price for them, then their names are written down right in the Lamb's book of life. Now, I, I want you to have your name in that book. And knowing that, you should want your name to be in that book. Like, don't, don't waste another day. I pray that today you realize that you are doing what is detestable to God because you're rebellious sin against him. And humbly, humbly come to him and say, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot fix things on my own. I can't pay for my own unrighteousness. I can't pay for what's detestable against me that I have done. Only your son Jesus Christ can through his life, death, and resurrection. And through the free gift of salvation that you offer me, God, I accept it. I want to live for it. And your name is written down in that book of life. Okay. So, so, so far we, we've seen, we, we've been told what it will look like, you know, with the size, the jewels, all that kind of stuff, the pearls. Okay, we, we've seen that, and, and there's, there's no need for a temple or a place because, you know, God's presence is going to be there, and Jesus Christ is going to be there, and it's, it's going to illuminate everything. But wait, there is more, okay? Yes, my friends, now there's always more, okay? There's always more with God, because okay? God is a giving God, and God's a glorious God, so whenever we read his word, we know that he is going to provide for us, and here's the big thing. Here's what we have to look forward to the most in this new Jerusalem. We will see the face of God. It says this in verse 1 of chapter 22. 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of the God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Right, so, so first, we see here that the river of life and the tree of life coming from the throne of God and the throne of Jesus Christ, right? This is a call back here to the Garden of Eden and how this new Jerusalem, this new kingdom, will be, that, will be the Garden of Eden times a million, okay? Hey, we, we get a picture of how awesome the garden was and how there is nothing wicked in the garden except when the, when the snake slithered in there. There is nothing in that garden that was hurting those people, right? And God's presence was there and they were provided for. This is that times a million, okay? The tree of life will never run out of fruit for its fruit is there for every month. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. The healing of the people is saying, hey, you are, you are in totally, total anarchy on that world, but here you'll be in peace. Here's healing, for you. The river runs to the middle of the street, straight from the source of the thrones of God, the thrones of Jesus. We are perfectly cared for and nourished as Adam and Eve were in the garden before the fall. And the curse is replaced by the throne of God and Jesus. Genesis 3 is totally reversed and undone forever. All that we lost in the fall, we will get back and then some and then more. But, well, all these things that we're getting, uh, what is the only rightful response to all of God's goodness and grace? Okay, well, it says here in verse 3, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. What's the, what's the only rightful response to all of God's goodness and grace? Worship. Service through worship or, or worship through service, right? Nothing about heaven. We'll be boring or dull, okay? We'll be, we'll be there to, to honor our God in delightful and joyful service of worship. And that's spiritual, spiritual worship, okay? It's like Pastor Jeff's been saying. It's not you sitting there uh, just in rows like this and in white gowns, okay, and just singing, oh, praise our God and King, and just over and over again, okay? That's, that's not what it looks like, okay? It's not, it's not just a boring thing, y'all. It's going to be fun, okay? There again, it's, it's hard for us to grasp. It's hard for us to see and, and have this notion in our heads of how heaven's going to look like. Because okay? for one, it's hard for a lot of us to dedicate two hours every week to come here to worship God. It, it's hard for us to, to grasp when, when we come in here with so much of the, our different biases and preferences, right? It's hard for you to set aside those things to worship God with other believers. I mean, do you think that heaven will be boring if it doesn't have the things that are entertained to you on this earth? Well, a lot of times we, 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 get, we get overcome by schedules or things that we think are more important than actually being here and gathered together and being in glory of God, right, and being in worship of him. We have, we, it's, actually, we dedicate more time to being out there, I don't know, with... Sports, family, other activities. I'm just tired. Had a long weekend. I don't know if I'll be in a good mood when I, when I get there. So, 
God will understand if I, if, if, I, if I don't come and be there gather together for worship. <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but I have a vision of heaven that's going to be fun. Okay, for one, I, I, love, I, love what, I love what Gandalf said to Pippin there about the, the crystal clear shores of the far green country. Man, the, and how big this place is going to be? Now, I'm going to be talking to an older generation, but uh, if you haven't heard the song uh, uh, My Father's House uh, you know, by, by Audio Adrenaline, you know, My Father's House is a big, big house with lots and lots of room, big, big house with uh, lots and lots of food, and a big, big yard for where we can play football. I mean, like, hey, heaven's going to be awesome, okay? God has given us things on this earth for us to enjoy, and the things that we are to enjoy on this earth are to so point us back to him, Right? So, so when he puts in us a heart for, uh, for physical activity, like, like sports and things like that, guess what? We're going to be up there. We're going to have some fun. Uh, a joy for eating. Man, we're going to feast up there. Right? Uh, a joy for being singing and praise. Y'all, we're going to be singing and praising up there. So I'm about to but I'm going to be up there. I want to eat. I want to play some football. Okay, I'm, 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 the Cowboys won't be there because everybody hates the Cowboys other than me. Um, but we're going to have some fun up there. It's, it's not God going to be there being like, hey, welcome in. Here's your seat. Enjoy. No, God's, God's like, come on in, y'all. Let's, let's celebrate. Let's have some fun. We have victory, and we are here in creation, and the things that you thought you enjoyed, you don't even understand that. I want to show you what was really truly to mean when I say enjoy. So are you taking your thoughts, the things you come in here with, that this whole thing right here, that, that it, it's a waste of time. That I, I don't like some of the people here. I don't like some of the music here. I don't like some of the things, that, the way that things are done here. And are you applying it to how you think heaven will be? Mm. Now, this, this new creation, this new Jerusalem, and our continuing worship of God, we nothing like this. Right? The, biblical temple, the biblical temple was just a sketch of what heaven will be like. This right here, our church service, our worship here is, is just a mere taste, a mere sketch. It's like if, if my, my seven-year-old went up there and drew, like, hey, here's my house, here's my mommy, my daddy, and they're all stick figures. I mean, it's just a sketch of what it actually, what actually looks like. That's what our worship here is. It's just a sketch of the, how amazing and beautiful it's going to be. We should be looking forward to it with all anticipation and seeing things like seeing these gatherings here as practice. That's practice runs for the real thing that is coming sooner than you think. But here's, here's the big one. You will see the face of God. Verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. They're going to call back to the Garden of Eden because God once walked and talked with his creation, spent time with us, was actually walking with us in that creation, but they're going because of our brokenness, we can't do that now. But here, because there's no more brokenness, no more brokenness, no more sin, no more any kind of darkness or detestable thing, we'll be able to see him, talk to him, experience his creation with him. Right? All the questions you have from all the years of being in church, God, why'd you do it this way? Uh, God, why'd you, why'd, you, why'd you say this, but you, but you left out this right here, this detail right here. You know, God, why, why is it this thing right here that, that people have argued about for years and years and years? Why, why, why'd you do that? 
If one, God's be like, because uh, I should be the focus and not that silly argument. I should have been the focus. Uh, but, but God will actually share with us his wisdom. We will actually see his face and know who he is. No longer will we need to be shielded from his glorious presence like Moses, how even Moses was not holy enough. Moses had to be covered by his hand. And then even just seeing the back of God like changed him forever. Right? No longer do we need to wonder what he looks like. His name, his name will be on our foreheads. It's, it's like an artist that kind of signs with a signature or a little, little kind of picture in the corner. God will sign us, right? Because we will show that our perfectly heavenly bodies were created by him and in their image. There will be no more darkness. We will reign forever with God. No longer do we need to fear the dark or what could be in the darkness. No longer do we need to worry about, about what we can get done before we lose the daylight. It's not my child, but I'm just like, I'm usually there. I'm like, okay, all right, it's 11 o'clock. I got to do this, got to get the kids, got to do this, got to go to practice, got to do this email, got to do that. Whatever. And by the time it's dark, I'm like, okay, well, I can't get out and mow my yard. Now, the day's been wasted. Like, it's gone. Forgetting the whole thing of what I should be living for, and that's for Jesus Christ, right? No longer do we need to worry about what we can get done before we lose the daylight, because the light will always be there. We'll be in the inheritance that was promised to us as adopted children of God. Jesus will, Jesus will be on his throne. We'll be there alongside him, sharing in that inheritance. Jesus is the great high king, and us in his court will reign forever with him. John MacArthur said this, the most glorious reality of all will be made righteous, enjoy intimate fellowship with God and the Lamb, serve them, and reign with them forever in sheer joy and incessant praise. So though the Bible does not tell us everything we would like to know or that we think we should know, it does tell us more than enough to let us know that eternity with God is going to be wonderful. So what, what do we get from this? Why, why? I mean, yeah, great, awesome. You know, you know God showed us what it's going to look like. God showed us that there's not going to be in the temple. Or he's gonna be, uh, his presence is going to be there, and we're going to see his face. Well, what, what's that for me today? Well, you should, you should ask this question. Do you want to be in this amazing place? Do you want to be in a place that's never be darkness again? And, and, to, and to be able to see the face of God. Oh, the answer for everybody is yes. I, I want to be there. I want to see this. I, I want to be there forever. No, no more suffering, no more darkness. Well, there's, there's only one way. And that's Jesus. The world and culture around you wants to keep you in the dark and wants to keep you confused and continually losing sight of the awesome, beautiful destination that has been promised to us through our faith in Jesus. The enemy is even using people who call themselves pastor to dissuade and confuse you. I heard, this, I, heard, I heard this the other day, and it still shocks me just reading it. This pastor said this, when you worship the Bible more than you worship God, it's called bibliolatry. Okay? We are talking every week about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, folk who had no Bible. All they had was a word from God they heard, and a feeling in their heart they felt. Here we are telling folk to stop trusting what they feel and stop trusting what they hear. Now, when you hear this kind of stuff, for people who call themselves pastor, I'll say, get behind me, Satan, okay? Because that is just a slippery slope and it has opened the door to sinful and detestable things to be brought back into the church 
and trying to dissuade you and get you away from the vision of what God has for you. Uh, seeing that the word that he has given us is true. Look, I, I trust and I believe that the word of God is true from cover to cover. Okay, every word is there for a purpose, as it says in 2 Timothy, uh, inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know, what it, you know what it tells me about this most beautiful, amazing, perfect place? But there is only one way to get there. And Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I, I, have, I have that hope, okay? I have that hope and promise of, of seeing and, and being in the presence of, of my Heavenly Father it gives me hope and light through the darkness. Whenever there's pressures or sickness or things going on in my life, I'm just like, what is going on in the world around me? I can still say, you know, that looks good. I have that to look forward to, and this can give me hope, and I can overcome what is in this world. Do you know him as Lord and Savior? Do you know that you will be with him forever in glory? No longer in darkness? Do you know that your name will be found there in the Lamb's book of life. Look, y'all, don't, don't waste another day. Don't waste another day worrying or consumed with, with what this world is trying to sell you on as the end-all, be-all. Okay, because what this world is selling you is, is, is a bunch of junk. The end-all, be-all is Jesus. And today, reach out to God in prayer and say, I need you, God. I, I, I can't do this on my own. I don't want to be lost in the darkness and suffering for eternity. I recognize that your son Jesus died the death that I deserved. That his blood covers the payment for my sins. And I want to live for him as my Lord and Savior. And be brought back into your heavenly kingdom and fold. Say humbly to him. And his response will be, welcome home, my beloved child. Welcome home. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram, at Hyde Park Baptist.